that applause already? Wow. Okay. Hope I live up to it. Good afternoon, everyone. How are you? It's good to see you. Good to see everyone here. Um, and Tyrone, right? Thanks to Tyrone. Good word. You gave me a good word when you came in. You said, you know, a lot of people are upset, but always be grateful because you're in the land of the living, right? In the land of the living. I love it. I needed that. Thank you. So we're looking at this passage today, and this passage took place after Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, some days after Jesus rose from the dead. So I have a few questions first to start us off. Do you ever notice you want to move forward, but for some reason there's something holding you from going forward? Sometimes it's the comfort of where we are that prevents us from going forward, but the weird thing is that where we are right now isn't that comfortable. We just prefer the comfort, we just prefer the pain we're in as opposed to enduring the pain to get to where we need to be. Sometimes we may stay where we are out of guilt. We can be stuck in old patterns. It might not be the only reason we're stuck in old patterns, but it's one of the reasons. Um, speaking of stuck in old patterns, I'm sure we all have a friend who listens to music from just a few years of their life. <laughs> Won't listen to new music. Sometimes it's from the teenage years. It's from the best years of of your life. And that may be okay, but it also may be something else. Or you may have a friend who still dresses in the same style that they dressed in the best years of their life. Or, and, and it's harder when we get older, we're resistant to new technology that can make things easier for us, but we're not used to it. We don't want to learn, so we make things more difficult. Uh, quick little anecdote. This may seem unusual to you, or you may, see, or you may say this, this is fine. I used to be an office assistant for a boss, and I didn't need to be there at my job because my entire job was printing out emails. My entire job was printing out emails so he could read them and he could respond by writing down with pencil on the paper, and then I would type out the email again, and then I would print out the draft for him to check and then I would send the email. My entire job was unnecessary. I loved it because I got paid and I got a lot of free time on it. And he was successful at what he did. But in that particular area, he wanted to stay in the same pattern. So some patterns, hey, it might just be a personality quirk, but sometimes we stay in our patterns because we don't want to face the pain of moving forward, particularly guilt. And the best example of this is in the life of Peter. And this is what we're going to look at right now. So I am going to talk about some of the gospel story. I hope you all have a familiarity with it. But as Jesus was going to death, Peter said, I will never forsake you. If everyone else forsakes you, I will never forsake you. And Jesus said, you don't even know yourself. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny me three times. 
And that's exactly what happened. And when that happened, Peter's eyes met Jesus' eyes. They looked at each other. And Peter went outside the courtyard and wept bitterly. That was the last time Jesus and Peter made eye contact before Jesus was brutally nailed to a cross. How would that feel as Peter? That you forsook your Lord. That you forsook someone who was always good to you because you you didn't have the courage to follow him. So the story, the passage we just read, thank you, right here, the passage we just read, Jesus is revisiting Peter's past. Jesus is reminding Peter of, of their life together so that he can retell Peter's story and prepare him for service. I'm going to touch on these points briefly, and then we're going to go into them in more detail. So Jesus recreated the miracle of a sudden catch of fish. There was a miracle before Jesus died. Jesus reminds them of the multiplication of the fish and the loaves. That was another miracle Jesus did. Jesus here celebrates the first meal together after the Last Supper. May have been the Last Supper. It wasn't the last meal. Jesus calls them by the same affectionate nickname, children. I think in this translation it's called friends. Um, Last, Jesus restores Peter by revisiting his denial. So first, let's look at the large catch early in Jesus' ministry. This may have been the first time Jesus and Simon Peter met. Early in his ministry, Jesus was teaching by the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. And I'm going to read from scripture here. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, this was even before he was named Peter, uh, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. So when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So here we go after the resurrection. The same people are there again. Peter again and the disciples experience such a large catch that they literally cannot hold it. So here Jesus is reminding them again, remember when we met? Peter's dealing with the pain of not being able to face Jesus again. And Jesus doesn't bring up what he did wrong, but he brings up a happy memory. It brings up the first memory of when they met. Uh, you may have heard, and I know a lot of times, maybe some of you did this, when, um, when a man proposes to a woman, he often takes her to a spot that's meaningful to them, or a spot where they had their first date, or a great experience together. It's to recreate that happy memory, and to recreate that sort of nostalgia. Jesus is saying, remember I received you as my own when you said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I am receiving you again. 
Next, we're looking at the miracle of the fish and the loaves. When they got to shore, right here in this passage we read, Jesus already had bread and fish ready, cooking on charcoal. Fish and loaves. Those of you who know about Jesus' ministry, there were two different big miracles where Jesus multiplied just a few fish and loaves to feed thousands of people. And not only did he do it again, or well, at least remind them of that event here, but he blessed them with the fish in a way, maybe indicating, maybe it's a stretch here, but I believe Jesus is indicating that I'm calling you to do this too. You may have forsaken me. I am not forsaking you. This is a foreshadowing for what Jesus wants to do with Peter and what Jesus wants to do with us. Jesus is communicating, I'm not gone. I'm here now more than ever. Next, we're looking at what I call the first breakfast. You've probably heard about the Last Supper, right? The Last Supper, this is when we remember Jesus' death. Um, Regularly in church services, it's called communion or the Eucharist, something we take together on the night Jesus was betrayed, on the night Jesus died. It's called the Last Supper, eating bread, eating wine or some form of grape, and drinking some form of grape juice to remember Jesus' body that was broken for us, his blood that was spilled for us. But maybe let's start looking at the first breakfast too. Let's celebrate the first breakfast. If the Last Supper is reminding us of Jesus' death, the first breakfast here reminds us of life after death, reminds us of the new resurrection, reminds us of the promise after death. And there might be some symbolism here too because supper is the meal you eat when the sun sets. Breakfast is the meal you eat when the sun rises. That supper, that's what happened when I died. This breakfast, this is showing you what happens in this new life. And in ancient culture, more so in modern culture, eating with someone means you're receiving them as a friend. You're receiving them as one of your own. And we talk about that today too, right? Let's get lunch together. Let's do dinner together. Let's get drinks. When we say that, the subtext is, I consider you a friend, or at the very least, I want to get to know you better, personally. Even if it's a business relationship, I want to get to know you better on a personal relationship. This is what Jesus is communicating to them after his disciples forsook them. He invites them. He invites them to a meal. The one who was offended invites his offenders to a meal. In my opinion, Jesus had every right to say, look who comes crawling back. You left me. I got nailed to a cross and you ran away. But he doesn't do any of that. They already know what they did. They feel awful about it. 
Instead of bringing up how he died, Jesus is bringing up how he lives and how we can have a new life in him and never die. So maybe let's celebrate the first breakfast more. Next, Jesus uses the same term of affection he used when he was with them. Jesus says, children, do you have any fish? And he's reminding them of something that happened at the Last Supper. I'm going to read this passage from John chapter 13. Jesus said, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So at that time, the disciples like, okay, we're down with that. Love one another. I love this message. When you said children here, you reminded us of that time. And of course, this reminds the disciples that that is not what they did. It's what they thought they could do, but it's not what they did. But Jesus demonstrates his love in an even fuller way through his death and resurrection. He says, love one another, not just because you're friends, not just because you like each other, but love one another because, love one another to the death. Love one another if it drains you. Love one another if you're spending yourself and giving yourself to the point of a last drop of blood. That's a new way of love. And Jesus is reminding him of that now. <coughs> so it, right there at the Last Supper, he continues, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going? You cannot follow now, but you will follow me later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And Peter felt the sting of that. And at the first breakfast, Jesus says, children, Jesus invites them to the meal. And Simon Peter feels that fresh, not just in his memory, down in his heart and his soul. It's warped his identity to someone who is unable to move forward, to someone who is not fit for service. Let's pause and think about this. Jesus already rose from the dead. And what happens? Simon Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. Fishing is a great profession. But they didn't realize what that all meant. Jesus rose from the dead. Our Lord rose from the dead. They didn't realize that it meant that he conquered death, that he conquered the powers, that he overcame them, that what it means to serve this God is this God is someone who cannot be overcome by worldly powers. This is a God who cannot be overcome by death. This is a God who overcomes death. This is a God who is the author of life. This is the God who kills death. And they said, ah, let's go fishing. No, that's cool. So this goes into what we're going to, the last point we're going to bring up. These three times, the three times Jesus, oh, sorry, the three times Peter disowned Jesus, 
Jesus reminds him again, now that he's won his affection through everything, Jesus reminds him again. Doesn't bring it up directly, but very wisely, Jesus asks him three times. Simon, son of John, do you love me? He responded, yes, Lord, you know I love you. What was Simon Peter anticipating at that time? It may have been anticipating, well, then where were you? Then why didn't you show up for me? But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus does something, well, frankly, intentionally painful to Simon Peter, but something that needed to be done. He asks the question again. Simon answers the, the same way, feed my lamb. He asked the question a third time. And Peter is so grieved, you know I love you. And feed my lambs. He had to reach down to the deepest point of pain. And Simon Peter's like, he needed to, to restore him to who he would be. What point of pain are we hiding from God? Disallowing him to put his finger on and identify because we're covered by so much shame. He can't even think. But that's exactly what we need to identify and go through and face so that we can be restored. Um. Another apostle said later, for the word of God penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, to joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What's, to me, the most amazing part of this is as soon as Peter says, you know I love you, Jesus says, feed my lambs. What, what does that say to us? You love me? All right, let's get to work. No time to sit in shame anymore. No time to sit and guilt anymore. You want to do that? That's not on you. That's not on me. That's, that's on you. That's not on me. Jesus isn't the one who says, you sit down and think about what you've done. Of course there is an acknowledgement of guilt. But once we acknowledge it, let's address it, let's move through this, and let's go forward in new life. Let's move forward in new life. So I'll leave us with these questions. With what you've seen about the depths of Peter's pain and how Jesus restored him, what does that mean for you? Restoration. Surrounding ourselves with people who will work for our, towards, towards our restoration, pray for us, speak to us, as the word speaks to us, as we allow God to speak to us through his word. Another question, where, where, are you, where are you stuck? If you don't know, maybe it's time to talk that out with someone. Uh, a few of us will be available for prayer after service. Um, if you want to pray for us, we welcome that too. Next, how is Jesus reminding you of how he wants to heal you? There may be others who are reminding us lovingly what we may be overlooking, what we need to be addressed and we may be resistant, 
and saying, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, it's just who I am. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, it's someone else's fault. Well, that may be so, but we may still need to address it. Let's hear those voices that are loving towards us, who aren't just throwing stuff in our face, but who are loving towards us. And last, will you receive the restoration Jesus is offering you so that you can be restored to work in your service? Will you receive the restoration that Jesus is offering you? Because to everyone here today, Jesus is offering you that restoration. Let's face what we need to and go ahead and take it. Amen? Let's take that restoration. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's continue.